God is good. Amen. Amen. Um, you're you're going to be blessed today. We've got, got a message here from the Lord uh, that's going to encourage you. I think it's going to supercharge you. Um, God wants to build us up and he has a heart for us. And, you know, I, I call this message crown a new king. And let me just preface with this. How many know that Jesus is called a king? And, and he's also called the king of kings. Not just the historical figure of Jesus and riding on his donkey, but Jesus being the God who became flesh incarnate, you know, incarnated into human flesh and dwelt among us. And if you believe the gospel story, that means that you recognize that you fall short of even your own expectations, but more so, we we fall short of who God is and his glory. You know, here's God's integrity, here's my integrity. Here's God's holiness, here's my holiness. You know, God's perfection, my perfection. How many would agree that we fall short? You know, and this is not to debase ourselves and, oh man, poor me and all that. It's just to look at ourselves realistically and then understand that God created us for more than that. Right? And if you've ever disappointed yourself, I don't want you to feel like, oh, you're God so disappointed in you. I just want you to recognize that God just knows what the truth is and he wants to help you get there and that's why he died on the cross for us. To redeem us, to give us new life, abundant life. I've come that you be blessed, that you bear much fruit. We're called to be fruitful. You know, we see in the cell a, a, a process called mitosis where cells divide and they become fruitful. There's a fruitfulness that we're supposed to have as well and that comes through God's power. The crown, a new king that I'm talking about today is yourself. I'm talking about you. Did you know that as the Father sent Jesus, so the Jesus is sending us? Did you know that we are part of a kingdom and that God calls us kings and priests? Did you know that? I know that the Christian world often looks like a homely, kind of sometimes even pathetic, we're so afraid and blah, blah, blah. But you know, that's not the call of God. God calls us to be victorious from glory to glory, triumphant. That, that, God, that Christ wants to reveal himself in us in great power, not like a bunch of clones, but in the uniqueness that he's created us. And that there's a power that God wants to unleash. So I'm going to use an example from scripture because I think they're metaphorical and symbolic. Is that Saul was a king who was kind of appointed by the people. It kind of the man-made. He sort of represents the flesh of man how we crown ourselves, what we try to become, rather than God when he chooses us and he anoints us and he calls us and he purposes us, that he crowns us like a King David. Not, not everything. King David is not the perfect picture. But the Bible definitely calls David a man after his own heart. You know, David fell. He fell sexually. You know, he fell um, you know, personally um, in his integrity but God restored him each time, and he learned obedience by what he suffered. You know, he suffered. How many want to skip that phase? I do. I do. I just want to. Is there someone back there going, oh, I want it? Okay, well, you can take mine too, you know? Unfortunately, you can't hand off trials, right? You know, unfortunately, we go through trials. How many have seen our kids go through trials? Come on, right? How many have seen your neighbors go through trials? Trials are there, but they're not to beat us down and make us less than. It's kind of like working out. You work out, your muscles get tore down, then you restore yourself with the proteins, amino acids start working through your body, and they start replicating, and then your muscles grow back stronger. 
And if you eat the wrong stuff, then it grows in other places that it shouldn't grow, right? And you keep at it. And the same thing with your heart. You get on the machine and you start working it. Your heart starts getting better shape. The blood starts pumping. And your heart has not just bigger, but it gets healthier. Amen? Amen. And God wants us to switch our old crown that's man-made and turn to a crown that we walk in the power that he has for us, the kingly um, sending and the kingly offering that he's given to us. It says, you will be kings and priests. You'll be a royal priesthood. You'll be a chosen people. Do I say, I hear amen on that. Amen. This, this may sound to you, if, if you're not familiar with this, this may sound like prosperity preaching. And he's just trying to tell us we're going to prosper. Well, let me just tell you, I am telling you you're going to prosper. Yeah. And I'm not going to hide behind it because the scripture says it. But we don't say it without the truth that God sometimes brings fire. He brings discipline along the way. Amen? And it's his desire that, he, that we draw near to him. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God uh, to work in our hearts. Let this not just be my prayer. You pray along with me if you agree with me. Okay, so Father, we come before you and we give you praise. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, you're more faithful than I realize. I know that. And I'll just speak for myself, but maybe others can identify. Lord, there's times when I feel like I'm sleepwalking. And I'm drifting around, and I think, you know, I think you're there, and I'm talking to you, but then I just sort of drift off, and then I'm walking in my own power. And, and I start to realize a weakness. I start to feel a need. And I go, gosh, I feel empty, and I don't know why. Lord, and then you remind me because of your goodness. And you fill me up. You give me the peace, Lord, that transcends my understanding. Lord, that goes beyond my capability of grasping for more peace. You give it because it's divine peace. You don't give like the world gives. You don't give and take back. And Father, I pray that we'd have that kind of peace. And Lord, I pray for one more thing. Power. Lord, we need power. I love your word, dunamai. It's dynamite. Lord, it's a, it's a dynamic power that's unleashed from the throne. Lord, we need more than burning carbohydrates. We need power that's divine, that moves through our soul rather than just our physical body. More than an empowered mind, Lord, we need a transcendent soul. Would you move us at the heart level, the, the soul heart level, that we can be changed? And, and I really sense the Lord requesting or asking you, not, not to tell me, but would you tell him right now your burdens? You know what they are. You don't have to hide it from God. Just whatever it is, just be honest with him. You don't have to let the person next to you know. Just whisper it in your heart. Just say, God, I need you to work in this area. Just name that area. Lord, work here. And lift that area so in your mind you set it apart for him. In prayer, just say, God, this area. Don't try to figure it out. Don't put an Excel spreadsheet and come up with a plan. Don't you know, type it on Facebook or Evernote. Put it in your mind and just say, Lord, I need your help. Would you deliver me in this? Would you bring your power to this situation? Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your heart. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's money. You're just low on cash. You can't ever seem to get ahead. You haven't learned how to trust God with it yet. Just say, Lord, I commit it to you. Change my heart. Change my life. 
And Lord, we lift it up to you. And I pray for the scriptures, Lord, today that that you'd help empower me to communicate it in a way that reflects your heartbeat. And I pray, Lord, that our hearts would receive the word in truth. Lord, let no one be manipulated. Let them just be themselves and hear your voice. And I pray for your grace upon us. Empower those that couldn't make it today. Camping, whatever they're doing, having fun. Bless them, Lord. Fill them with your spirit. In Jesus' name, if you agree, can you say amen? Amen. Amen. God is good. So let's start off. Crown a new king. Just turn to someone and say, God is talking about you, pal. He's talking about you, and that's how it is. So let's just start, okay? Let's get started. I'm going to have a little bit of introduction here because I want to get our terminology the same. And I just ask you the question, what is the kingdom? What is it? What is he talking about? And we live in a world that has kingdoms. We have, you know, the kingdom of man. You know, we have, you know, America. We have the Western powers. We have the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO. You know, you know, uh, fighting against now a rising ISIS Islamic power. There are two kingdoms that are at war with each other. And, and within our own nation, we have, you know, the Democrats, a, a kingdom versus another earthly kingdom, the Republicans and some libertarians out in the back on the, in the mountains somewhere. And, you know, and then you got these two kind of battling each other. And I'm not talking about those kind of kingdoms. I'm not talking about the rich with the money, the Donald Trumps who can build big, you know, hotels and we're the ones that go to them and spend our money there and they make all the money. And it's like their kingdom and our kingdom. I'm talking about a totally different thing. I'm talking about a supernatural kingdom of God. Uh, uh, When God opens your eyes that you can't explain it. It's not something that you just kind of walk down the street and you go, you know, I just kind of see things differently. You know, yeah, it's a new paradigm. I saw my company like this, but you know, now I see my company like this. And you write a new mission statement. I'm not talking about metaphor, you know, or a, or a parable that kind of comes to life. I'm talking about the caterpillar, which has a genetic structure, and then it decomposes to a molten liquid and reconstitutes its genetics in such a way that it builds a cocoon around itself and changes the dynamic of its being, not under its own power. It's literally a liquid. It's like a you can shake the cocoon, it's liquid. And then it regenerates and it's born again. It's born again. It comes out of there with wings. It can fly. There's no evolutionary story. It's not like, hey, the giraffe was reaching to the apple and each year the neck got longer as if the DNA changes. You know, or, you know, just a taller, you know, there is microevolution that there's, you know, maybe the taller elephant survived and the one with the lower neck didn't. But I'm talking about a butterfly. I shook, they all turned to cocoons, but I shook them and only this one became a butterfly. That's the one that lived. No, it's born again. Listen to Jesus. He's talking to Nicodemus. This starts where the kingdom is. And Nicodemus is this Pharisee, which is kind of like, imagine the religious people, you know, they go to church all the time, they do everything, but he's kind of the the ruler of this Pharisaical, uh, legalistic group, but he's curious. And, And he comes to Jesus at night because he doesn't want to be seen, he's checking it out on his own. And, and, he says, and he says, you know, tell me about the kingdom. Where is the kingdom? And, and Jesus, he goes, what about the miracles? I know you're from God. And this is how Jesus answers him. He says, very truly, I tell you. This is to Nicodemus. Say with me, no one, no one. 
No one. Now this is, I didn't make this up by the way. I'm an atheist who came to Christ. I don't make up Christian literature. Okay? No one can see the kingdom of God. Can you say with me? Unless. Unless. Unless they are born again. Unless there is a rebirth. When I was an atheist and people were telling me about God, when, when God opened my eyes, I was transformed from the inside out. God did something and kaboom, I could see it. And all of a sudden I was going, wow, God is alive. It was like he was in my head. He was there. He was alive. It wasn't just a, I went to church and I've been to church my whole life. And one day I decided I'm going to be a good church follower. That is not born again. That's just a, a fleshly decision making. The Bible says, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. Listen, if you came to church and all you saw was the people, that's the people, that's this organization, that's all it was, and you couldn't see that when we are worshiping, the Bible through the cross, because our sins are forgiven, we have access to the kingdom of God. And it's as if the heavens are opened and the angels that are singing to the, to the Lord in power, we join the chorus of worship. The chorus of worship from the churches all around the world that honor Christ, the, our worship goes up to God all together. Do you know how loud it was? I, told, I was sharing as I spoke at a, a men's retreat this weekend, and you know, I, was, I, was, I, had, I, met, I talked to a guy, he was in Oakland, in, in Raiders Stadium, where we had 60,000 men at this Promise Keepers event. And my pastor and I, he went to the very first one. He said, hey, let's go check it out. So we had like 10 or 15 of us that went. And there was this one time while we were just sitting there. And it was all these men all over the place. And they had a couple speakers. And then it was like a lunch break. And, and this one gentleman, this, he was a big black gentleman. And, he, and all of a sudden, he broke out into the song, Amazing Grace. He just said, Amazing Grace. And, the, and then everyone in that hallway, it was kind of like a big ha- hallway outdoors, started singing. And pretty soon, it went through the entire stadium. 65,000 men. And if you were there, you remember, everyone broke down in tears. I mean, literally, there was like 65,000 men breaking down in tears because you could not believe how beautiful it was because it was as if God just came out and just said men I want to bless you and we just said Lord thank you that you saved a sinner a wretch like me we weren't singing how great we are coming into your presence with a big crowd that's not what we were singing and in this kingdom that opens up it's a supernatural power that we're born again, not into a religion. I go to the adventure. I go to South Mountain. I go. It's not the religion, and it's not you know Pastor Paul or Pastor Eric and these groups. We're not the kings over you. He's the king. Amen. Amen? It, we don't point you to us. Oh, come to us, and we'll give you. God has the answers. Amen. Yes, we have gift of leadership and gift of teaching and encouragement and pastoral gifts, but they're not just in the person up here. They're in all of us. Amen? Amen. This is the great thing. You see all the small group leaders here? There's all kinds of pastors in that group. There's pastors, there's shepherds, there's leaders, there's innovators. And they're out here. 
God wants us to understand the kingdom. It's not a political party. It's not an organized religion. It's the kingdom of God. It's a dynamic. When we receive Christ, what we do is we say, Lord, you died and paid for my sins, and my sins are washed away. They're no longer counted against me. And now this Holy Spirit comes upon me and dwells on me. I talk about this a lot. And he dwells on me. He is the kingdom. The kingdom is not just some future thing that will happen. The kingdom is now. Let me walk you through a a few scriptures. Revelation 1.5. This is that big revelation from John. He says, to him who loves us. Can everyone say past tense? He loves us. It's it's already happened. It's ongoing. And he has, can everyone say, freed us. So he loves us and he freed us. What? From our sins by his blood. It's not by our prayers. It's not by our Bible study. It's not by our tithes. It's by his blood. And he has made us. He has made us. We are to be a kingdom and priests. And there's a reason to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. You know, that's why the Lord's prayer is, let your kingdom come. Let it come through my heart. Let it come through my life. Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom in heaven that's up there, let it come down here. Listen, when the Pharisees are are asking Jesus, when he was asked by the Pharisees, when will the kingdom come? When? And he answers them. The kingdom of God does not come with observations. Well, I thought if I read it, you know, Jesus says you search the scriptures because you think that in them you're going to find eternal life. But I tell you the truth that they point to me. They point to me. I am the way. I am, not me, Eric. (laughs) I am the way, says the Lord. The truth, the life. And then he says, nor will they say, hey, see here, it's over there. Or see there, it's over there. This is the Pharisees. Come on, Jesus, who are you? Aren't you going to set up an earthly kingdom? Aren't you going to change the political parties? We're going to have a new Christian party? No. That's not what is going to happen. There's going to be an invisible kingdom that's empowered from above. Listen, none of you will come up to me and go, man, that assembly bill number 457398 passed. And my was changed. Now the tax code from the derivative of my business write-off will have a special injunction of the hyper-cross-modulated phase distortion on the inverse. And I was transformed. You're not going to say that. What you said is Jesus touched my life and he changed my marriage. Jesus touched my life and he changed our family. Amen? He changed my heart. He gave me purpose. He gave me direction. He freed me from anxiety. It's the kingdom of God reigning here. Amen? All right. I'm excited, by the way. I'm excited. I'm not angry. If you don't know me, it's first time you go, man, is he ticked off? I'm not ticked off. Trust me. I am a happy guy. And listen, he says, for indeed the kingdom of God, say it with me, is within you. It's just within me. It's within you. Okay? The kingdom is reigning right now. Now, letter B. As I get started here, we are called to be kings and priests. Look at what he says. You are a chosen people. This is Peter talking to them. You're chosen by God. 
We put our faith, we're called out. That's what the word eclectos means. You are called out or spoken out by God into a kingdom. We're, a, we're not just a random bunch of group, that guy and this guy and that guy. We're a chosen people. We're a holy nation. Amen? We, we are called to be a nation. Christians, so much in the Christian world, look so weak. Oh, it's all now. Listen, I, you, know, you know what I'm saying, what I'm saying, I'm like, you can't, you know what I mean? The end times is coming, and maybe the Antichrist is rising up, and I don't know, maybe he's coming from Romania, I don't know. Why don't you get off your butt and become the king and priest you're supposed to be? Right? Our country's falling apart. We'll stand up and do something about it. You're connected to the throne of God. I don't know. I'm just going to church. I can barely make it. I'm not sure if I should go or not. You know, people tell me all the time, I was really wondering if I should go to church or not. Really? You'd rather be connected to ESPN than the kingdom of God? This is God's empowerment when the congregation meets regularly. Amen? This is, both, this is not for us. This is for you. Do I hear an amen? amen? Listen, you're a chosen people. Can you just say the word royal? And not a royal pain, you're something else. Okay? Royal is that word basilios, which is, it's only used two times in the New Testament. It's, Jesus uses it when he's talking about John the Baptist, and he says those who live in palaces is the word palace. You know, it, it also is used for regal or possessing high distinction. It, it's, a, it's a royal, it's a kingly word. It's, it's tied to the color purple. It's a royal word. You are a royal what? Priesthood. We minister to God. We minister to the people. This is our, this is our calling. A holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare. Say that word with me, declare. Do you understand that if you were a king in the Old Testament, even in our modern you know, president kings that we have in certain nations, you have the power to proclaim. You could imagine the king who just stands on top, you know, of one of his fortress towers with his general and his armies. Because we didn't always have kings. Kings don't come into probably about 1400 BC. You start to get a ton of more distinct kings from God. And what happens is, is they would stand there and proclaim to you, "This is what's happening with our nation. I declare to you, the king has spoken." Well, let me just declare as a king and priest, Jesus Christ is Lord. He came to deliver the wicked to bring them into goodness and righteousness. He calls you out of darkness into the light. He will never fail. I don't know how many Christians I meet every week. Do you think God's going to come through? What do you want me to say? No, probably not. He doesn't know what he's doing. Your sin's too big for him. He couldn't deal with that. The cross wasn't enough. That's what he says in Hebrews 6, right? You know, it's like if you reject that message and you back out of it again, there's no other message left to give you. Amen? Amen. There's no other message to give you. That is the message, the cross. And he says, he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, let me get to the heart of this message. Let's contrast some kings here. King Saul is the one that's man-made. He's our old king. Let's start. He, in, in the previous days, God appointed judges. He had some great judges. Deborah was one of our judges, a female judge, who, who governed over the children of Israel. And that's for you female leaders out there. 
And, and guess what? And he had lots of different judges. Samuel was one that was separated when he was born. He's committed by his mom. And God took her up on it and, you know, coincide, synergistically coincided with her. And he became a judge. And they would make determinations about how the people should live, what was right and wrong. And they would go to these judges. Well, the people wanted to get a king because they were looking at the Philistines and the other armies and they were going, those other countries, they got a king. And the king goes out there and fights their battles for them. We want a king. And it's like, we want someone to do our dirty work for us. And, and, you know, take care of it when a big enemy comes that they'll go out and take care of it. And God was basically saying to them, God was saying, it's not going to be good for you if you get this king. Because right now I'm giving you discernment and prophetic leaders from on high. He goes, and now you want a king to rule you. And, the, and they start going to Samuel and Samuel's telling them, no, I'm not going to give it to you. We start there in verse 19. The people refuse to listen to Samuel. He's trying to explain to them why they don't need it. And they said, we want a king over us. Then we'll be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and to fight our battles. Sometimes you got to fight your own battles, guys. You know what? The enemy is just like Goliath. He's out there on the other side of the valley. And you can't be sitting on your side of the valley because he's just going to be taunting you for the next 10 years. And some of you have heard it. You're a loser. You're never going anywhere. It's always going to fail. It's not going to work. Right? And he's saying you got to step up got to step up. He says, when Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord as if the Lord never heard it. And the Lord answered him. He goes, okay. And remember, God, if you read through the story, you can tell, you can, you know that God does this reluctantly. He says, okay, listen to them and give them a king, right? And trust me, it's not always good when God gives you what you want. How many have experienced that? You go, God, give it to me. I need this. I need this. And he goes, okay, here it is. You're going, oh, maybe I didn't need this. Forget it. Sorry. (laughs) Listen, when there was a Benjaminite, a man of standing, he's from a a child of Israel, whose name was Kish, son of Abrael, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherah, the son of Aphiah, of Benjamin. He had a son named Saul. Can everyone say impressive? impressive? He's impressive. You know, think about your old life. Man, I was pretty, I was somebody. An impressive young man without equal among the Israelites. If you wanted the stud, this was it. Here he is. It's interesting because Jesus is called someone who has no physical qualities to attract us to him, it says in Isaiah. And I always think, because we're in such a beauty culture, how are people going to deal with an ugly Jesus? <laughs> You know what I mean? What if he's not that? I mean, listen, you gals, we got Jim Caviezel. Like, he's a pretty good looking guy. It's like Jim Caviezel. It's like, I'm Jesus. Come to me. And all the women are going, man, I'm coming to Jesus, you know? You know? But what if Danny DeVito is Jesus? You know? Or, or so, you know what I'm saying? What, 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 and he's, he's, are you guys going, I ain't coming? Jesus needs to get in shape before I'm coming. (laughs) Need to put him on multivitamins. (laughs) Get a new haircut. This is why it's the kingdom attraction, not just the physical outside. Amen? Listen, 
he was without equal and he was a head taller than any others. He's just a little bit taller. Hey, if you're tall, don't, this is not an insult to you. I'm just saying that they were looking for someone who go, man, he could kick everybody's butt. Let's get him. We'll follow him. Get some killer armor for him and let's, let's get him. And here's the type of king we want. We want him to be impressive. We want to have some noble name. We want him looking good. We want him improved by the world. We want him to fight the big battles for us, our stature. Sometimes that's our fake side, right? It's like, you know, I want to keep my old side, man. I'm over there. I'm tough. And have you ever seen that in yourself where you acted tougher than you probably were? Right? Not me. I'm talking about you guys. I'd never do that. But now that you admit it, that's pretty embarrassing. No, I'm totally kidding. I could be a real jerk, can I? Those who know me go, yep. But listen, he's not that impressive after all. You know that? If you see Saul go out, he wins a couple battles, and God says, do it this way, and Saul does it that way. Right? This is Saul's story. You know, Saul, when, he's, when he has a king that he's taken on, that he can take, no, no problem, but God doesn't want him to do it. He says, have mercy on them. He just ignores them. When God says, I want you to do it this way and, and, you know, to make sure you be careful about this, he ignores that. And then when he gets a king that's a bigger than him and stronger than him and a general and army in Goliath, he totally backs off. His power and his confidence is totally in his flesh. I'm, I'm this big. They're this big. I got it. But when it's this and they're that big, he's like, I don't got it. That's the difference between David and Saul. How many want to be a King David? Come on. Listen, be a King David. Goliath stood and he shouts to the ranks of Israel. This is a big fast forward. Most know the story. Just a reminder. Why do you come up and line up for battle? This is, this is him. This is the Philistine. Imagine the enemy in your life going, why do you got to line up for battle? I'm right here. I'm a Philistine. Let's see. He, he, here's, the ranks, you know, here's the ranks of the army of the Philistines. Here's all the Israelites. Goliath just stops right in the middle and just goes, hey, here I am. Who wants to take me? And he goes, aren't you the servants of that King Saul ears? Right? Isn't Saul the king you wanted? Here I am. And he says, choose a man and have him come down to me because he knows it's not going to be Saul. It should have been Saul. But it isn't because Saul is the external fake man. I'm in the gym, but you can't apply it to real life. There's times where you got to put the bench press down and get into real life and push something meaningful out of the way. Amen? What good are steroids and proteins and Adderall and all this other stuff if it brings no power to your life? And trust me, I'm not angry, but I am passionate. And he says, and it says, on hearing the Philistines' words, you, you know, you can listen to the world and you can listen to its threats or you can listen to God. And he says, Saul and all the Israelites, because Saul and then all the Israelites following him were dismayed and terrified. And I understand there are things that rise up that are bigger than you. But here's the contrast. Our new king is not man-made. Our new king, David, is chosen by God. Right? The Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? Because Saul backs down and Saul, and God says, I've rejected him as king. 
over Israel. He says, now fill your horn with oil. Oil represents the, the Holy Spirit and its anointing. He says, and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I seem to think someone's going to be born there that's a king in Bethlehem, don't you think? And he said, I have, say it with me, chosen. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. One of them to be the king. And later he says, you're to anoint for me the one I indicate. When the, you think the Lord just randomly puts a spirit on all kids and all people and all adults? No, the power of the spirit comes through the cross. Because otherwise, it's not because God's just trying to, oh, pick here or pick there. No, it's because if we stand before God in our own righteousness, we are not worthy of his spirit. Right? Can you agree with that? Do you have perfect integrity? I do not. That's why once you've received the spirit, once God's wrath is removed from you because of Christ taking on your consequences then you are now in Christ. It's as if Jesus Christ is surrounding you. And his embrace to the Father is now your embrace to the Father. And the Spirit comes upon you. In Galatians 3, Paul rebukes the church and he says, did you guys get the Spirit by what you were doing or by what you believed? Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? It's a waste of time. You get the Spirit by Christ. You keep the Spirit by Christ. Amen? Listen, our old king has imitations, number two. As soon as they get there, Samuel is ready to pick this king. We want David to be picked because we know the story. But he comes in there, and who's the first person he sees? Eliab, David's older brother. And look at He says, surely the Lord's anointed stands there. Samuel goes, that's the guy. Why? Because he looks like Saul. Here's Saul. Here's Eliab. Not a big guy. He's handsome. We, We can't, you know, you can't trade one fake thing that you are for another fake thing that you are. We need the authentic you. Amen? Turn to someone who said, God wants the real you. Come on. Listen. The Lord says to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. Because God's not looking. He, he's looking at the heart. He knows that in a couple chapters, Eliab is going to cower to Goliath. In fact, when David rises up in pure boldness, Eliab, he gets ticked off. He's like, come on, David, who do you think you are? You think you're so tough? Come on, as he cowers. It's like people are mad when you have courage. You know, I don't have courage, but why should you have courage? It's fake courage. Listen, if someone's got courage, respect it. Amen? Listen, he says, the Lord, well, I'll finish this part in a second, but the Lord doesn't look at the man, things man looks at, does he? The Lord looks at what? The Lord looks at the heart. Then, um, then Jesse called um, Yabba-dabba-doo <laughs> and had him pass in front of Samuel. Hey, I've tried for years to say that word, and I, I never could say his word right, so I just say yabadoo. Abba-nabba-dabba-dabba-doo. Why couldn't his name be like Bob or Tom? Or make it King James, Tom-ish, you know, or something. <laughs> but Sam, goes, hey, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Imagine guys coming with their ambition. Hey, I'm on the next person. You know, Dad, you know, I'm ready to take your business on, you know. 
What are you going to do with it? Are you going to bless the employees? Are you going to make a difference with what you produce in this world? No, I'm just trying to get some money. And, oh, no, no, I have really good motives. God looks right past him and he says, not him. He won't lead the people with integrity. Next one. Then you get Shema. And his, his word means wasteful. It's like he's like a not a good time manager. He's a person who wastes his time all the time. I've been that, you've been that. Where you just, you just, you're not good with your time management. When, when God first got a hold of me, it's the very first thing he worked on me is becoming effective with my time. He said, Jesse, he says, the Lord, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse had seven sons pass before Samuel. Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. One after this, maybe it's him, maybe it's him, maybe it's him, maybe it's him. And Jesse asked, are these all the sons you got? And it's like, Jesse, it's like an afterthought. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I still got one in the back. He's actually serving. Can you say that word, serving? Man, I, I, I'm telling you, G- God finds the leaders in the servants' quarters, doesn't he? It's, that's all the great leaders that I've known through my life that I've admired and respected are the ones who start serving. And all of a sudden, boom, God moves you up. He's tending the sheep Right? Jesus, Peter says to Jesus, do you love me? And he says, yeah, take care of my sheep. Feed them. Listen, he says, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Let me give you a contrast. We don't need an imitation from ourselves. We need to be an original. Amen? It says, the Lord does not look at the man, look things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. How tall is he? How big is he? How great is he? What kind of suit does he wear? You know, what, what's, you know, what's the aura that he presents? Can he represent us as a king? I don't have to fight my battles. He'll fight them for us. And, and all of a sudden, and I, I, can I, I just want to speak one thing to women, this great scripture. Listen, I, I think it's great, you know, that we work, um, that, that there's a, an intention in our culture for women to try to be beautiful, and try to say, man, I, I want to look as good as I can. And sometimes, that you know, because we're such a uh, sexual culture, sometimes there's a, you know, she's hot, and I think she's hot. And it's kind of that kind of a, an appearance that women feel such a pressure. I got to do more, and I got to dress more, and I got to lose more weight. You know, you have some woman who looks really beautiful, and she won't think she looks beautiful. She, so she has to do more, and she has to do more and more. And God gives such a relief to that woman. He says, listen, your beauty shouldn't come from from that. Don't let it come. Listen, he's not saying you can't buy a nice thing and, you know, a nice dress and some braids. He's not saying that. He's saying don't let your beauty come from that. Amen? Amen. You, you know, he's saying instead it should be of your inner self. There's an inner beauty and I mentioned my wife. My wife is beautiful on the inside. I'm telling you, babe, you're not ugly on the outside. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm just saying is my, my wife, when you look her in the eyes, when you know who she is, my wife's got beauty glowing from the inside. And women, I'm just telling you, men as well, let God shine the inner beauty in your life. Amen? Let him take the inner part of yourself because no matter what you do, your skin's going to keep aging. Right? 
and, and it's going to get harder. You're going to go up from 20 minutes to 40 minutes to an hour on that bike. Then you have to go elliptical because your knees are bad. And then finally, you know, you're going to be there. And it's just like, and, and all of a sudden, you're going to go, man, I can't put my hope in the beauty in the same way. It's not, but I'm telling you, you can. You will be beautiful. But it'll come from an inner glow from the Spirit of God. Let Him give you true beauty. And I trust me, you will be attractive. It's not the outside. It's of great value in God's eyes. God treasures a beautiful woman on the inside. Isn't that killer? Isn't God faithful? I'm almost done here. Say say praise God. Listen, our new king is anointed, number three. He sent out and brought, brought David in. David was ruddy. You know, he had a redness to him, but he had a fine appearance. He took care of himself. He had handsome features. And the Lord says, that's the one. I've been watching that one with the lion. I've been watching him with the sheep. I've been watching him in the background. He's the one. Rise up and anoint him. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. Think about it. His brothers probably went crazy. I can't believe David, blah, blah, blah. They kept, they kept the same thing. They went to Facebook gossip, didn't they? They were Instagramming and Twittering and everything. You know, David, I can't believe that my dad would put... Instead of repenting, they they chose jealousy. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Why did it come on him? Because he went to the Bible study. No, it came on him because God anointed him. Amen? Listen. I'm going to give you the story, and so I'm going to close. I know I'm a few minutes over, but I'm going to close, and I just got two scriptures here. David comes, this is the contrast with David. Most of you have heard the story, but let me tell it for the freshness of the word God would speak to you personally today. David comes to Philistine Goliath. He's been shouting it. Eliab is cowering. Everybody's cowering. And then you got David, and David looks up one time. His hope is never in his height. His hope is in the Lord the whole time. Is this convicting or not? Because it is to me. He says, David says to the Philistine, he goes, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin. He's nine foot tall. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Did you want to hold hands? And by the way, those who are wondering about nine feet, you know, the Smithsonian has over 50 cadaver bone skeletal structures that are over eight feet tall. Okay, if you want to know that. King of Og of Bashan was even taller. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and I love the Bible and I will cut off your head. Woo! Forget the walking dead. This is the walking reality here. Right? The walking dead with no head. I love it because there's times when you have the enemy taunting you for five years. You're nothing. You'll never get over this. You'll never have victory over this. And and we just like, I'm going to throw a dart at the enemy. Sometimes you got to take your sword out and you got to cut his head off. Right? No mercy. And just watch the head bobble around there for a while. Amen. You can't talk like that in church. Listen, he cut off his head. It's in the scripture. Do I hear an amen? Amen. 
Amen. He says, he says, this very day I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. He's not saying, and I will create a detention center where you sit there and we'll give you breakfast, three meals a day. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And he says, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered, he will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And the Philistines move closer to attack him. Understand that the Israelites didn't move. They stayed in their line as the, Israelite, as the Philistines walked forward with Goliath in the lead. And it says that David ran. David ran right to Goliath, to the battle, probably 150 yards. Imagine David running. Everyone's cowering. There are times when we have to step out. Amen. Amen. This isn't just emotional excitement. This is biblical power. God is saying, step out. Those of you part of base camp, you step out of the boat. Amen? Amen. It says, reaching his bag, he took it out, hit the Philistine. The stone sank in his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. Listen, David was loyal. David was a fighter. David loved God. He glorified God. He was a king, and he was a priest to the Lord. He ministered to God. God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said. This is the New Testament talking back. David had faith in Christ. He looked Christ forward. He's the one who wrote, blessed is the man whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him in Psalm 32. That becomes Romans 4. Listen, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Imagine the heart of God. And David is, even he blew it with Bathsheba. He blew it here. He had a son who blew it. But guess what? He always found repentance. He paid big consequences for those things. And so will we, except we have the grace of God in greater dynamic than has ever been revealed in humanity. We have the grace and cross of Jesus. He will do everything I want him to do. Don't you want that to be your banner? People are so confused. Well, you got to define yourself by what your flesh wants. I don't know if I want this or want that. You know, these are my desires or those are my desires. Forget your flesh. When do we get counsel from our flesh? We turn to the spirit of God and the kingdom of God. Lord, I want to do everything you want me to do. Why don't you close your eyes? I'm going to close with this. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. And I just want to challenge you. And this will be an open challenge. Don't take this as a tough guy challenge. This is just a, I have to give you an opportunity to respond to God because God wants you to respond. I would be neglecting my duty. And I'll have the base camp leaders come up forward. And if you want to get connected to base camp ministry afterwards to grow in discipleship, you want to talk to them afterwards and they'll, or for prayer, they'll come up to you or you can come up to them. Saul is a man-made king. You've been your own Saul for how long? Now, God's king, David, was a man anointed by God, and he was a messianic picture of Christ, and now us being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Do you want to answer that call? 
The 24 elders, the Bible says in Revelation, received the crown. And the Bible says that we will receive a crown. And it says that when they encountered the Spirit of God, His holiness was so overwhelming, so amazing to them that they cast their crowns at His feet. Listen, that day will come. But today is the day where you accept the crown and you say, Lord, fill me and help me to walk like the king you've called me to be. A king and a priest. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a chosen people. I choose to put my faith in Christ alone. If that's you, rise up with me. Just stand. I'm standing in my own response. Just to say, just to respond, to say, Lord, I want to walk like King David. I want to walk in boldness. If you want to stay like Saul, just or you don't understand my question for some reason, or you refuse to respond to when other people ask you things, you can stay seated. I just want to talk to the people standing up. Can you lift up holy hands to God? They're holy because of Jesus. Father, thank you. We come before you, Lord. And Lord, we embrace the royal priesthood, the chosen people that were a holy nation. We are not given a spirit of fear and timidity. No. No. We are given a sound mind, a spirit of dynamite, dunamite, power, unleashed. Lord, we move from glory to glory preaching the good news. We prevail in trials. We endure till the end. And Lord, fill us with your life and just invite the Lord with your own word. Just say, don't worry. Don't cower and worry about the person next to you. Just say, Lord, fill me with your power. Fill me with your goodness. Lord, remember the thing we prayed for at the very beginning? Lord, you've made me more than a conqueror. Fill me with your power. Give me your wisdom. Maybe I need to die to myself. Maybe I need to rise up. Lord, maybe I need to be more emotional or less emotional, more discerning. Lord, whatever it is that you have for me, help me to become that man of God, that woman of God. No manipulation here. This is your prayer. Lord, fill us with your life and your light. Bless our kids too. Help us become who we are for our kids' sake, for our legacy, for the next generation, for our nation, for our world. Let us rise up. And we don't just stand back, but we run to the battle. And Lord, we pull out our weapons and our armor and our gifts and we use them. In Jesus' name. If you've answered that call, now the last one if you want to put your faith, you need forgiveness of Christ. Everyone put your hands down just for a moment. You needed the forgiveness of Christ today. Jesus died on the cross. If that's you, just raise your hand up high. Say, Lord, I need forgiveness. I need it all. I need it today. I need it tomorrow. I need it the next day. Lord, I need all your forgiveness. And now we thank God. Thank you for paying for my sins. Thank you for delivering me. If that's you, I'm going to encourage you to come up to our base camp leaders and tell them, say, help me with my walk. They won't lord it over you and they'll serve you. In Jesus' name. How many got some from God? Can we give them a clap offering in accordance with it? Praise your name, Lord.